Hi, Lenny. Hi, Nancy. Welcome to episode 26 of the Front Porch Book Club. The Front Porch Book Club is a podcast that meets twice a month. We like to dig deep into the relationship between characters and the worlds they live in. Grab your book and iced tea and join us on the front porch. Today, I am so delighted to interview Nancy Shank and Timothy Scholl about the upcoming production of This Mortal Life Also, a play that tells us about the story that we listened to the first podcast of this month. No Ordinary Man was the name of that book, and it was a, a book about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And so Nancy's play is about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So today we have Nancy and her director, Timothy Scholl, talking about the play. This interview is going to be very different for our longtime listeners because I am going to be the sole interviewer and Nancy and Timothy are going to be on the front porch and I'm going to ask the questions. I know everyone is going to enjoy hearing Nancy and Timothy talk about the play and the play is premiering March 17th through 20th. 2022 at the Leeds Center for Performing Arts in Lincoln, Nebraska. Angels Theater Company is producing the play and the Leeds Center is the presenting sponsor. Now, you know Nancy, she's my sister. She's the co-host of the Front Porch Book Club, but you may not know that my sister is a playwright and she wrote the play, This Mortal Life Also. Nancy's other career has been nearly 30 years in academia, where she was an administrator and researcher supporting the public policy aims of national, state, and local organization. Nancy is at work on a contemporary novel based in the United States that explores notions of community. She is also writing, yes, another play. She just does not stop. <laughs> My second guest is Timothy Scholl, the director and producer of the world premiere and Nancy's play, This Mortal Life Also. He was born and raised in Indiana. Timothy is a director, a dramaturg, and scholar by avocation, and an academic administrator by vocation. As a theater artist, he specializes in new play development, dramaturgy, directing, and 18th century German playwrights. He also works as a board member and artistic director with Angels Theater Company in Lincoln, where he also manages the Salon Reading Series. Timothy completed his doctoral work in theater history and dramatic literature at the University of California in Santa Barbara. He holds an MA in theater history from the University of Nebraska, Lincoln, and earned a BS degree in theater from the University of Evansville in Evansville, Indiana. Well, our front porch is going to be crowded today, so let's get to it. Welcome, Nancy, and welcome, Timothy, to the front porch. Nice to be here. Thank you, Linda. This is interesting being on this side of the microphone. <laughs> well, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> Timothy, I'm going to start with you. Okay. What interests you in Nancy's play, This Mortal Life, also about 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer? <laughs> That's an excellent question. So I remember uh, working with some colleagues in with the Angels Theater Company, and someone came to me and said, hey, someone just wrote a play about some German guy. I think you need to read it. Uh, <laughs> and I said, okay. And uh, I got a copy of the script. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer was uh, a figure that I was familiar with growing up. I grew up as a good Lutheran. Um, and I believe there's a statue of Bonhoeffer in every Lutheran church. <laughs> And uh, I was just fascinated by the story. And I can't say that I was intimately familiar with this story, kind of just the broader points. Uh, but reading the script was very informative. Uh, I really was drawn to the characters and really excited about the play as a whole. And so we first did it as a reading, I believe, and uh, really just got hooked on the story from there and really wanted to follow the development of the play not only from a theatrical side, but also from the German theology side. Ah, the German theology side. Okay. Nancy, you and I have talked privately about Dietrich for years. Yeah. How did you get interested in writing your first play about him? I also knew a little bit about Dietrich, although unlike Timothy, you and I grew up as good old Methodists. <laughs> but still, we accepted Bonhoeffer as as one of our saints, I suppose. Do you remember on Dad's bookcase, he had a copy of The Cost of Discipleship? Yes. You do? Okay. I think so. I didn't know that was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So <laughs> I just thought it was a Christian book, you know, one of many. Yeah. Okay. So that was on his shelf as we were growing up. And then when I was at Bloomsburg, his letters and papers from prison were on the bookcase of the house I lived at there. So isn't it strange that I have these two little memories of two of his books, but I really was not that interested in Bonhoeffer because I knew enough about him to know that he was a German theologian who lived during the time of Nazi Germany. And I'm a good little Cold War baby. I thought some theologian living in Nazi Germany, he has absolutely nothing relevant to say to me. What can he possibly say? If he was not standing up to Nazism, I don't care what his theology was. And it wasn't until I think I was somewhere in my late 30s that I found out, oh, he actually did stand up to Nazism. And I thought, well, he must not have stood up very much because if he lived to tell the tale, how much did he really say? Then I found out, oh, he actually did not live to tell the tale. And I think it was that idea of his sacrifice that was founded on his belief system and his faith that really interested me. And so I started reading lots of books by him and about him. I read a lot of scholarly journal articles. I watched the movies that are available. And I just found him so fascinating, but also a real conundrum in that here was this person from a very elite family who could have made his way through the war by keeping his head down probably, but who chose not to. And here was this brilliant, theologian who loved working in the inner city and his inner city confirmation class. And the boys loved him too. And here was this man who fell in love with a woman half his age. I mean, there are just so many pieces that didn't fit together for me. And I started thinking if I could just see his story on stage, that somehow would really help me out. Because 
I love theater and I love when the house lights go down and the stage lights go up, you just are catapulted into someone else's life. And I think live theater is unique in that for me. And so I thought, well, I think if I could just see his story on stage, that would really help me understand who he was as a person. And of course, there were no plays about Bonhoeffer on stage that I knew of anywhere. And I got the very naive idea that I should just write the play that I wanted to see. And so the first thing I had to do was Google how to format a script. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You started from the ground up. Yes. Nancy, how long has this taken you? Like you you didn't go to school for how to write a play. I did not. You're self-taught. Yeah. How long did it take to get from writing, typing your first lines to where we are now? Just a little over six years. And a lot of that was really trying to figure out what the play would be about. Where would it start in Bonhoeffer's life? Because yeah, I knew that no one wanted to see a play that starts with a baby being born. That just is not interesting. And so it took me a while to really hone in on the play starting on the eve of World War II. Bonhoeffer has received his draft notice. He's a pacifist, so he knows he he cannot serve in the military. His brother-in-law has offered him a way out of military service by joining German military intelligence. And his friends in the United States have said that Germany is not safe for you. You've spoken out against the Nazis. You need to come to the United States. We've arranged a position for you. And he also has a sister who married a Jewish man, and they need to escape the country. And so that's where the play starts, and it really carries through to his arrest in 1943. Okay, really interesting. And I've been a part, personally, of this ride for a while. Yeah. To the point of, I've got my best script together, and it's, what do you think, phase, which is probably a couple years into it. Yeah. And then that turned out actually not to be my best script. And then I had to revise it again. And then I thought, okay, this is, yeah, this is my best script. How many versions do you think you read? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, maybe there were parts that I read, like the yeah. closing, because that one was always kind of. Yeah, that's yeah. right. But I fell in love with your female characters immediately from the first get go. I think that was probably my first thing I said was, I love your female characters. But before I get off into all of that, because I could do a whole show on the female characters, uh, Timothy, your background is so fascinating to me uh, because you're a Lutheran. You have a background in German theater. So I can see your interest here in Dietrich. How has your academic background, maybe your religious background, have they affected your approach in directing this mortal life also? Oh, that's a great question. And I think absolutely it has. I want to pull something Nancy said earlier into the conversation. As a theater, I don't know, what would you call me? A theater person, a theater scholar, a theater wannabe, (laughs) (laughs) any of those things. It's fascinating to me that you thought the proper form of this was a play. You know, I've seen the movies. I've read the books. Yeah. But what really is going to bring this home is a play. Yeah. Theoretically, I can tease out why that is. Because we talk about theater being an ephemeral art. And that means it's live and it happens in front of a live audience. There is something that is part and parcel to the German theater tradition 
that is called Mitleid und Mimesis. That is compassion through imitation. Ah. So that we are able to see and understand an individual's plight or a family's plight uh, and gain compassion for them by watching it be imitated or by watching it be produced on the stage. Um, and that's a powerful reminder. And, and, you know, for me who studied theater for most of my adult life, it's something that I'm always searching for and always looking for in those, those magical productions. I, I know the productions Nancy's speaking of that those ones that just take you away. Yeah. And we're willing to sit through a lot that don't take us away just to have that experience again. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. So it, it, I'm fascinated by the, just the thought process that goes, you know, what really would make this story better <laughs> is if I could put it on stage. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a, that's a fascinating thing. Specifically to your question, yeah, I, everything I am is informed by who I've been. So as a Lutheran, as someone who became fascinated with German theater early on, growing up with German ancestry, all of that, I think, contributes to who I am. And so, of course, I bring a lot of that to my work, not only in the theater, but on this play, on, on many of the plays that I do. Well, you certainly have a passion for it, and your background is there. I know that, Nancy, you had written this play, and you'd gotten into the final part where Timothy, you, you read it and decided, yeah, I could be a part of this play. Mm-hmm. But I believe there has been still some bouncing back and forth between the two of you, right? Some edits and things? Yeah, I laughed earlier because I think I've read seven drafts. Yeah. Oh. I'm trying to count them in my head. <laughs> okay. Wow. Including the first draft that I believe was a musical. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, the musical, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 36 characters, a full orchestra. Yeah. It, was, you know. oh, it was a spectacle. <laughs> a sight to behold, for sure. <laughs> I have not seen the script from the point you got it, Timothy. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering how your background influenced the final product then. One of my areas, if you will, in theater is a role called a dramaturg. To fancy word that means you're a scholar of the play and essentially know how the play is put together and how the play functions. And I find the study of dramaturgy really informative and helpful when starting to direct, but also in what Angels Theater does now in terms of developing and producing new work. Because there are, I don't want to say rules about writing plays, because that makes it sound a little bit more specific than it is, but there are ways that plays become successful. Ah, okay. And through studying the dramaturgy and seeing how the scenes are constructed, seeing how the scenes play upon one another, you can really dissect where to construct that play to make it more effective. A little bit of trivia here might be helpful. A playwright is not a play W-R-I-T-E. It's a playwright W-R-I-G-H-T, as in a craftsman, as in a wheelwright, a cooper, (laughs) or a barrel wright. That is so because a play is crafted and created, not written. Oh, Mike, I see. I never knew this. <laughs> <laughs> that is playwright, and that's the re- reason we talk about playwrights. But if you notice anybody else is a writer, it's W-R-I-T-E-R. Oh, my goodness. That's interesting. You're like the perfect person because <laughs> this is Nancy's first play. So she needed somebody to come up and say, okay, now 
I know how to make it into a stage production. Nancy knew the story. She knew what parts she wanted to bring to the play. Mm-hmm. And then you can craft it into the theater production. This is all making sense to me. Well, and let me be careful because it's Nancy who has crafted the play. And I describe play scripts as architectural plans. The play and the production are different, but the production is built upon how that play is constructed and created. And Nancy has done a very good job with creating and really constructing this play. We've had a lot of conversations. We've had a lot of very specific things about, you know, this is a wonderful moment here and we just have to lose it because it's not going to work on stage. (laughs) Okay. Or, you know, this character needs to change in some way (laughs) or we, we can't have it happen this way. One of the more famous ones, and people will uh, maybe see this when they see the production. Nancy, I can't put a car on stage. Right. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. We're, we're going to have to change this up a little bit. <laughs> that makes sense. There's so much to consider. Mm-hmm. Nancy, this is your first play. I'm just so proud of you. Aww, I'm Liddy. just bursting. <laughs> I know this is your baby and you've kind of had to go through a process of releasing it to Timothy and his good care. Yes. (laughs) That's a hard transition. That's a hard transition. He's been a great adoptive father. (laughs) How wonderful. What's it been like? I mean, how's it been for me? This was an idea in your head. This was a man you were interested in learning more about. You created the whole thing. What's it been like? And now you're seeing your work here after six years coming together. It just doesn't really even seem real to me yet, I think, is how I would answer that. You know, Timothy has gathered together a spectacular cast. They are just nailing these characters. I mean, their artistry is unbelievable. They really are achieving what I wanted because they are bringing the story to life in a way that helps me understand who Bonhoeffer was because they are bringing him to life in the way that I wanted to see him brought to life. That just feels like an amazing gift that they are willing to pour their artistry into this script. Many of them could have done other things. They could have acted in other productions, but they chose to be a part of this one. And the artistic team is spectacular. And all I can do is sit as a little mute and be amazed at their interpretations and their creativity and what they're getting from the script and how what they see, who the characters are and how they're changing how they are reinforcing that and enhancing it with their artistry. So for instance, in the costume area, the costume designer, Jenny Poole, has certain color schemes and textures, and she's changing them throughout the play. And some are differentiated from other characters in very specific ways. And you know, just all of this amazing skill being brought to this production, it just makes me sit back and be unable to put together two words in any kind of coherent manner. (laughs) Every once in a while, they'll kind of ask me for feedback, and I really can't string two words together. So I think they probably don't know how I could have possibly written the play. (laughs) 
they may be skeptical that somehow I did not write the play. And for some reason, someone has decided to put me up as the playwright. So, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> That's why you need Timothy, because Timothy right. can talk to them as you just kind of bat your eyes and nod your head and say, oh, that's just so good. <laughs> Timothy, can, Timothy can kind of help them and yeah, be oh. there for you, Nance. <laughs> that's it. Yes, that's it. <laughs> well, talking about the cast and the lighting, and Nancy has some interesting musical selections too in there. Mm-hmm. And I've talked with her numerous times just about what I thought the dress design and, and some of this. I mean, I had my own thoughts on all of this too over the years. But you had to go find the people, the lighting, the setting, the design. How do you go about finding people that are the right fits for this? Either the cast or the, I don't know what you call it, the background people, the lighting, the stage, all of that. The design team. That's what I'm saying, Nancy. I don't know what I'm saying either. The design team. That's why we needed you as the director. That's right. So the the casting is always an interesting process. And without doing too much, much like film or anything else you think of as entertainment, you can make or break a production via the casting. Um, That's not to put too much onus on it. But it is important that you have people who bring, I'm going to say, an open spirit and uh, an openness to these characters and people who generally like these characters. It's really hard to play people you don't like. One of the things we talk about, you have a a very challenged character uh, in this play who's who's part of, we'll say, the uh, German government at the time. There has to be an entree into that character for the actor. He can't just be a Nazi. There has to be a human being behind him. And so it's finding the right cast and the the right chemistry within the cast to make the, the show work. The design team's a little bit different in in respect that each of those designers is an artist in their own right. And my task in that creation is really to find people who I've worked before, who I've seen their work, who I know have an aesthetic and an artistry that we can pull together and collaborate with. Okay. This is not a area that I have artistry in. So... I can design a set. It is not going to be a good set. Okay. I can design some lights. It's not going to be beautiful. Okay. <laughs> it's going to, it's going to be functional. And so I've had the good fortune to work with a lot of artists over the years and bringing them together to make sure we have a quality production is just something, you know, I, I go to people that I've worked with or people that I've seen their work and dive in and go along for the ride. You know, they're the, they're the artists of their particular area. And we just need to make sure it all meshes together and works well together. And in this particular project, I, uh, like Nancy, I think it's working very well. I'm super excited to go see it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's fascinating. I hopefully will have an opportunity to meet the person who did the designing of the costumes. I want to meet that person. Oh, yeah. And talk to her a little bit, but... Linda and I are very interested in clothing. (laughs) (laughs) And I really, I don't think I really am. You know, I'm sitting here with, you know, a sweatshirt on, but (laughs) I had some real thoughts about how I would do it. I can't sew, I can't do anything, but I do like clothes and I like shopping. So (laughs) I don't know. But I mean, I'm just fascinated in all of this now because I've kind of come along the journey. Yeah. And so I've learned a lot Mm -hmm. through the process as well, because I thought the first draft was actually quite good. (laughs) 
now that I see it where it is now, you know, I, I've learned a lot about it. I think it's interesting to hear you talk about the arc that you want to see some something more than, well, he's just the Nazi. Um, you wanted to see more of the arc of that character. And that was something I remember early on, Nancy, you were like, I've got to have more of an arc for him. Yeah. He can't just be the Nazi guy. Yep. He's got to be a part of the German government and this is his job and this is what he's doing to really see where he develops as a character too. Yeah. Interesting to hear about the casting of him and having someone be able to portray that. Yeah, because there were people who made that choice and he can't, to, to make the the play impactful in my mind he can't be someone that the audience has absolutely no feelings of attachment to or similarity with i mean to see him initially as a human i think is really important because many humans made that choice and they did go from being everyday people who maybe hadn't really thought a lot about morality or ethics who then found themselves becoming despicable people. So for this particular character, are we not seeing him in a Nazi uniform the first time he comes? Because I think when you originally did that, he was. And I had a certain reaction to that. You know, I, you know, Linnea, I have written so many drafts of this play. (laughs) Who knows? But I definitely know. I know know where he is now. (laughs) (laughs) I know where it is now. He's a member of the clergy. And so he's not necessarily in a Nazi oh. uniform. And and to be to be honest, this is a this is a choice with the show um, and the production that I've made. But I am steering the play away from any kind of Nazi iconography, okay, at all until it's absolutely necessary, because this is not a play about the rise of fascism in Germany. It's a play about the Bonhoeffers and their journey this family and how they are wrapped up in the conspiracy that is a result of the way that the German government has twisted and changed their society. So if at all possible, I I don't want any of the Nazi iconography in the play until it absolutely has to be there. Oh, interesting. We hadn't talked about that, Nancy. So that's interesting to me. That'll help there with the arc of that character. Because I have to say, mm-hmm. I have that emotional, like my heart gets tense and it's terror. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like a terror. Well, we talked earlier about theater being ephemeral. Seeing a live person in front of you wearing a Nazi armband has a profound emotional impact. Right. Because we know what that represents. I, I remember many, many, many years ago, having a conversation with one of my mentors, a professor from, from college, that um, there was a play that I just adored, and I wanted to produce it very badly. And he told me I could not, because one of the characters in the play was Hitler. And he said, as soon as Hitler walks on stage, your play is over. Uh, and he was absolutely right about that. Really? Okay. There is no pro-Hitler argument. Right. Anytime we go into the theater, anytime we are practicing that mitleid, that compassion, we have to be able to see the humanity in all of the characters that are there. It is not possible to see humanity in the face of ultimate evil. Interesting. Wow. Now that's going to give me some things to think about there because I like it. I like that part of it because it really does bring it back to Nancy's original. What she originally said was, 
I wanted to write a play about Dietrich. Mm -hmm. And so just even that helps to make it more about Dietrich Nancy than having that good and evil very early in the play. Yeah. Especially where you're picking up the story of Dietrich too. Oh, this is why you got such a good director. I'm so excited. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So Nancy, what do you hope people are going to take away from your play? I hope that they come away with a deeper understanding of the German resistance, which not many people know about. I mean, you and I grew up watching on Sunday afternoons, World at War, Dad's terrible PBS series of footage of concentration camps and battles and everything else. And I think we both had this very naive belief that German was bad. And there were a lot of heroic people in Germany who did fight against Hitler. Sure, there were plenty of people who did not. There were also people fighting against Hitler that were terrible, terrible human beings. They just wanted Germany to be more effective militarily, for example. So it's a very complicated history, the history of the German resistance. I hope people will understand there is a lot to that. Obviously, I want people to know more about Bonhoeffer and the decisions that he made and the really the moral questions that he faced. But I think that ultimately is to serve the question to theater goers of what are they willing to do to stand up for their beliefs, to be a person of humanity, no matter what's going on around them. Yeah, we talked about on our previous podcast is that it's it's really more of a pondering, isn't it? You just want people to think about him and what he did rather than he was the hero and, and we all need to follow him. Yeah, right. Uh, we're not going to be faced in the same situation ever, hopefully. It, right. It's just more to think about what would it be, Nance? I, I'm having even a hard time kind of, you want people to think about, what did you say again? I want people to think about the importance of viewing all decisions with a lens toward what is the most loving response? What is the most humane response? I mean, right now, clearly, our political rhetoric is very divisive. And who knows what Bonhoeffer would have done? I mean, I, plenty of people are uh, more than willing to tell their opinions of what Bonhoeffer would be saying in these times. And I have no more credibility than other people. But what I will say is that for him, the question was always, what is the most loving and kind thing? What is it that Christ would call us to do? What recognizes the humanity in others? Who is being oppressed who I need to stand up for? Those were the questions that he dealt with. Uh, Those are good questions, aren't they? Yeah. All right, Timothy, you've got the background we talked about, but we didn't bring up an interesting point that Nancy shared, and that is that you have some German resistance in your background. Is that right? (laughs) That's putting it very generously. Okay. Well, would you like to share? So two of the famous German resistors during this period were Hans and Sophie Scholl, who are distant relatives. Oh. The Geschwister Scholl uh, is what they're called in Germany, and uh, essentially brother and sister Scholl. Hans was a medical student 
in the University of Munich and then was shipped to the uh, Eastern Front. And Sophie was studying to become a teacher. They were both either founded or were wrapped up in or co-founded a group called the White Rose. And the White Rose had a particularly religious view against Nazism and started writing leaflets that they would pass out. And they were both captured and they, along with several in their group, were put to death. Oh my goodness. Uh, as part of their, their resistance effort. Both were very young, but both have become very famous in Germany for their, for their actions during this time. My branch of the family came over to Pennsylvania, originally Pennsylvania Dutch, mid-18th century. So we're part of the same tree, but part of different branches. So you have to use a lot of words like fifth cousin, twice removed, <laughs> once gone to right. find it, find the relationship. But um, there's definitely some family resemblance. I always thought my, my father looked an awful lot like Hans. You can tell that there's a similar gene pool at work. Um, but as far as direct relation, it's, it's pretty, pretty far apart on the branches. Mm, very interesting. Timothy, what else are you or the Angels Theater Company working on right now? Do you have any other upcoming events? Angels has really found a niche in uh, this community for developing and producing new work. And a lot of our programming is around support of playwrights, around support of developing new ideas into plays, etc. So we have a monthly series called the Salon Reading Series which on the first Sunday afternoon uh, of each month, we gather together and we read a play. And we've been reading new plays about a variety of things. Usually there's a central topic uh, involved. And then um, we also have our first flight festival that's coming up here in the summer. The first flight festival is an outgrowth of the Playwrights Collective that I think Nancy worked with extensively. Yeah. The festival is a chance for the writers to see their work on stage that they've been developing during a short period of time. So it's like a 10-minute play festival. Oh, that's nice. Some of the plays are a little longer than 10 minutes, but uh, we produce their work for the first time and allow them to see it on stage, see what's going on. And it's a it's a very fun festival that we've been doing. This will be our eighth oh, First Flight Festival coming up this that's July. So nice. <laughs> well, and it's amazing because they cast the roles. There's a director for each play. I, I mean, it's amazing. Oh my golly, that's so nice. Yeah. Nance, what about any upcoming projects you've got? I mean, we're, the play's almost here. What else are you working on? I am working on a novel and I have a couple other plays that I'm sketching out as well. Timothy, what's the best way people can stay in touch with you and the Angels Theater Company? Well, for this production, the best place to go is the Lead Center website, uh, where you can read a little bit about the play and get tickets to one of the performances. I will let everyone know that ticket sales are going well. Uh, that's always a careful thing you have to say in the theater, so we're not going to say it too loudly. But we do encourage people, if you want to see the show and you do not have tickets, now would be a perfect time to get them. You can also find more about uh, Angels Theatre Company at our website, which is angelscompany.org. We are on Facebook under Angels Theatre Company, and you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Our Instagram handle is angelstheaterco underscore Lincoln, and our Twitter handle is at angelstheatre. 
And Nance, what about you? How can your sister stay in touch with all of the projects <laughs> that you have going on that I knew nothing about? Well, there's this little podcast that I'm co-hosting. I don't know if you've heard. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I do have a website. It's nancyshank.com. And I do keep that up to date with the various things that I'm involved in. And this production also has a separate Instagram account, and it's at This Mortal Life also, and there are underscores under each word. So this underscore mortal underscore life underscore also. We have a dramaturg, Rhiannon Ling, who has just done a tremendous job posting on Instagram really interesting historical vignettes about uh, what was going on in Germany about the characters and their lives. She has included snips from the script. And now we're getting into, she is going to be doing biographies of the cast and the, the production team and others who are involved in the production. Oh, that's really interesting. Oh my goodness. Well, what a delightful afternoon talking to the two of you about <laughs> theater and playwriting and all that good stuff of Dietrich von Hoffer. Lovely to get to know you, Timothy. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's so fascinating, this whole creative process that I didn't know anything about. Nancy, I love you. I Aww. will see you shortly for the big opening of the play. I can't yes. wait. <laughs> um, thank you both. Thank you, Lenny. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, my goodness. I really enjoyed hearing about the production of this play, all of the creative components that go into building an idea, having an idea about something, doing the playwright, the revisions, the six-year process that Nancy's gone through. And then now Timothy's carrying the load and doing all sorts of creative things to make the play actually a production. So it's just fascinating. I enjoyed it. Nancy, I did miss you as my co-host, but oh. I enjoyed interviewing you. <laughs> you did a great job. Thank you, Nancy. You're, you've earned your solo wings. Oh. <laughs> well, let's do it together from now on. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. I would be sad if you decided you wanted to do it alone after this. <laughs> Not going to happen, sister. Not going to happen. <laughs> I tell you, you know, one thing that I've always read about theater is that it is such a collaborative endeavor. And I always thought, yeah, 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 whatever. But I am learning it truly is a collaborative endeavor. So I definitely echo your amazement at all of the skills and all of the different people who come together through the director's vision, form this unified experience. It's oh my goodness. really amazing to be a part of it. It really is. I've learned so much personally by being a part of it from the distance that I am yeah. with your play. So I hope that people find that interesting. I sure did. Well, you know what? The next month we will have Dietrich behind us. Um, hopefully he will sail on into other corners for yeah. other people to see him. Yeah. But on our front porch next time is Born a Cry by Trevor Noah. And I'm getting <laughs> a little overwhelmed here. You love Trevor. I do love Trevor. Trevor Noah. I really do. I'm a big fan. And I love this book. Let's just say, if you want to laugh, this will be a funny, funny book. 
you know what, get this book now. You'll be so glad that you did because it is hilarious. This is his voice in words and he is hilarious. His life in South Africa is tragic. Yeah. It is interesting. It is there's a cultural component to this. There are religious components to this. There are socioeconomic, racial, ethics. I mean, it is all there. And Trevor does it with such skill and he does it with such heart and he finds humor in his life. This book is hilarious. That will be super fun to talk yeah. about. <laughs> well, I could go on and on and on and on about Trevor Noah and his book. So You know, it's funny that you say that as you read it, you could hear his voice in your mind. Because I was talking to a girlfriend. She said she read the book and then she decided to listen to the audio book because she wanted to hear him reading oh. it. And she said she really enjoyed the audio book even more. I bet that's true. Yeah, I bet that's true. Yeah. Well, get either one. I mean, I, I'm a big Trevor Trevor Noah fan, and actually, that would have probably been fun. But I've I've listened to him enough that his voice is right in my head while I was doing it. Yeah, you can get in touch with us by going to our website at frontporchbookclub.com. Our episodes come out twice a month on the first and third Wednesday of every month. If you like the show, be sure to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, Nancy, I'll see you next time. All right, Lenny. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.